0: Before I jump into the sermon, like I said, we're going to be talking about hurt, and it is a it's a tough topic for a pastor to preach because it's like okay, pastor, all of us come from major different backgrounds. Some of us might be affected every single day by a regret that you have, a decision you made, and this, you have this regret that just hurts you and haunts you every single day. Or maybe you went through some sort of extreme abuse. You suffered abuse and maybe it was in your childhood or maybe it was later in life, but you got this big, heavy topic of abuse or uh, all of these different ways that we can be hurt. Someone walked out on you. Maybe it's some way that some people spoke of you. Maybe something that happened in your job, your career. You have all of these different things, childhood bullying, all of these different things have been happening and say, so say, okay, pastor, I want you to go up there and talk about that for 30 minutes and make everything all better. It's impossible. The other thing I would never get up here and do is get up here and preach a sermon that basically ends with the tone of get over it. Just move on already, get over it, do better, right? What a huge disservice to all of the different hurts and things that have happened to all of us. However, the heart of a pastor, and I know the heart of God, is to be able to get up in front of people and say, guess what, you can move on. You can be better. God is the God of restoration and he takes broken things and he makes them new. Can I get an amen? Uh, when we were first considering what we would name this church, uh, it was about the time Grand Rapids Art Prize was happening uh, down at the DeVos place. And one of the, the, winnings, the winners uh, of that was, if some of you might remember, it was that just beautiful mosaic, mosaic being broken pieces, um, Jesus painting. I think it was right in the DeVos place. And it won that year, but just this huge elaborate, all these broken pieces made just this beautiful thing. And I was like, man, I'd love to call the church Mosaic Church because there's nothing more symbolic and meaningful of the gospel than he takes the most broken things and makes the most beautiful things, doesn't he? But we got to do our part in that. We got to say, hey, God, here's our pieces. Far too often we go, we don't have any broken pieces. I'm fine, I'm fine. We we Ross it. I'm fine, it's fine. Everything's good. And God's like, no, no, I need the pieces to make something. And so today we're gonna talk about giving them those pieces, giving them the broken things. What are those regrets that haunt you? What are the decisions? What are the things that the enemy's trying to hold you down in? These hurts, these things that you can say, okay, God, I'm ready to be made new. After all, this is the renewal series, Amen so I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to preach a message that just says, get over it. But I hope by the end of the day, I can raise a question mark over your life where you go, you know what? I need to take a look at my life and see if there are any places that I'm operating out of hurt, that I'm operating out of pain. Because can I tell you something? It affects you. Yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, if, if, we, if we, uh, we repeat, we repeat what we don't repair we repeat what we don't repair. And you're repeating it in your life. And then you're going to repeat it generationally. And then you're going to pass it on down to your kids. So you may say, no, you know what? I've made the decision. Too many people have hurt me and I'm not going to let people in anymore. And I'm going to put up a wall and I'm not going to let anyone hurt me anymore. And that's what I'm going to do. The problem with that is you're going to repeat that in the next generation and you're going to teach your kids how to live isolated. You're gonna say, "Well, no, bro. I grew up. Granddad had anger, and my dad had anger, and I'm just an angry guy. And you know me. I got a short fuse. I'm like a Tasmanian devil. That's just who I am. Take it or leave it. No, because if you don't repair it, it will be repeated for generations. We gotta stop making excuses for the things that God wants to heal. Amen. I'm sorry. I gotta pray before we preach. So <laughs> let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. That your heart is restoration and and wholeness and healing. And God, we know that that's gonna happen as we look at your truth today. God, I pray it for every single one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our passage for this series is 2 Corinthians five seventeen. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian, you're living the way God's called you to, he or she is a new creation All those things, those things that hurt you, those things of the past, you're made new in him. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God's design for us in him is to be renewed, is to live in renewal, is to be a new person. We've been saying Psalm 51 verse 10, the English Standard Version says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, there's the word again, renew a a new spirit in me, renew the spirit in me. We've been talking about how this is daily. It's not just on Sunday. I'm gonna come in on Sunday and I'm gonna get filled up and I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna bless me throughout the week. No, God's desire is to renew us daily. His His desire is to make sure that when you get up, you say, okay, God, today, fresh heart. I don't want the hurts of yesterday. I don't want the regrets of yesterday. I don't want the things that happened to me in my past to be the thing that is number one in my life. I want renewal today. Are you with me today? So we've been talking about that. A couple weeks ago, I gave this statement. I said, we can't stop dreaming just because we had a nightmare this thing that happened in our life this scary thing this happened to us again whether it be abuse or a regret or some side of hurt or rejection this nightmare that we experience can't be the thing that causes us to stop dreaming with God yeah. and believing like as Cody was just leading us in that he's not done yet he's got a great story for us I'm not going to let this nightmare cause me to stop dreaming that his plans are good for me are you with me we said it this way a couple weeks ago. If you don't deal with the trauma of your past, your friends, family, and children will have to deal with it in their future. We need to get healed. One of the examples is this. I got this Apple watch here. And um, I've had an Apple watch for like seven years. Been wearing this thing. And um, none of my internal organs work anymore. They're all fried by the radiation, according to Peasley's. But uh, I've been wearing it for seven years, okay? And, uh, and so I, I love this watch. It's a great watch. But I've had a problem for seven years with this watch. And it's the fact that there's no way to lock the screen. And so you get in the shower and it starts showering on the watch and it starts opening the weather, changing my calendar, rearranging all this. And I'm like, ah, how do you lock the screen? But I do know about the water ejection feature. The water ejection feature, let me just show you this, is you click here and when you get out of the shower, you go to the water droplet, then you hold the top crown, makes a little noise and it's supposed to spit any water that got into the little things out so that you don't have problems. For seven years, after every shower, I very responsibly ejected the water. But for seven years, I've also complained about there's no way to lock the screen. Until I just learned several days ago that the water ejection mode is actually a screen lock for the shower. I've been doing the second part, but out of order. I should have left it in the water lock mode the entire shower. Major revelation to me. I was changed forever, right? So I come into the office, and Cody and Doug are in my office. I'm like, guys, my life has changed. And Cody's like, 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? I was like, no, dude. Water ejection mode on my... He's like, what are you talking about? And I explained it to him. I was like, dude, I didn't know that you put it in water injection mode for the whole shower. And then it doesn't touch the screen. And then when you get out, you let it spit out the water. And he's like, you didn't know that. And then he goes over to Doug. He's like, Doug, because Doug has an Apple watch too. Got it about the same time as me. He goes over to Doug. This guy's an idiot, right? Doesn't even know that, right, Doug? And Doug's like, I didn't know that either. I knew about water ejection, but I didn't know that it did the mode in the shower. Cody's like, how did you not know that? And he's like because Josh is the one who told me about water ejection (laughs) mode. I'll say it like this. Doug wasn't functioning properly into his full potential because his dysfunction was handed down to him. This is what we're doing. If we don't get our hearts healed, if we don't get healthy, if we don't let God restore us, we're going to keep sending down our dysfunction and our lack of what God really wants us to live like and be like and operate like, we're just going to pass it right down to the next person. So we got to get healed. We got to get our restoration. I wrote it down like this. Unhealed areas operate without our permission. You don't know why all of a sudden in a fight, he says something or she says something and it turns into a volcano. You didn't give it permission to do that. Why did it do that? Because that unhealed area all of a sudden just showed up on the scene. I'm scared to death of heights, okay? Like scared to death of heights. Um, and there was like a season where I was like, I'm gonna get over this. I'm gonna get over it. I, I can just beat this. This is stupid. It's just, it's just nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm gonna beat this. So I'm flipping a house with my dad. He was in first service and attested to this. I don't, it just presents itself to me. Just like I said, unrelated or unhealed areas operate without permission. It's not like when I get up somewhere up high, I'm like, okay, afraid of Heights, kick in, do your thing. You have permission to do it. It just does it to me. And so I told my dad, I was like, I'm beating it this year. I was helping him flip houses. I was like, this is the year I'm going to get over Heights. And so we were re-roofing a barn and I can climb up the ladder. I can hang Christmas decorations, but like if I have to climb up off the ladder and then look down and climb back off, doesn't happen. So I'm not joking you. I said, dad, you got to help me. I'm going to get on and I'm going to get up on the roof and I'm going I'm to beat heights. I'm going to do this. My dad must have been so ashamed of his son. When it was time for me to come back off the ladder, I was like a scared cat being pulled into like water. I was like holding onto the roof and I was like, dad, dad, dad please hold me. He's like, it's okay, buddy. I got you. You're not going to fall here. I got you. And I was like, oh, no, like a scared cat getting crawled off the thing. But it's not like I ever said, go ahead. Go ahead, Freight of Heights, kick in. We love going to Disney. We go to Disney. It's just like a thing our family loves to do. It's just our great quality time. We get to get away. There's a ride there called Tower of Terror. Many of you have been on it. If you haven't been on it, you should be on it. But it's supposedly a haunted hotel that has a haunted elevator. So you get on this thing and you sit down and you go in and it takes you into this elevator and it's all this creepy music like da na 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 na, and it's like seven people stepped into an elevator and they're trying. Okay, five. Sorry, my <laughs> daughter's here. Like, get it right, dad. And so none of the da da darkness, none of that scares me. So it takes you way up to the top of this building and then without warning. Ah, like you just start falling and everybody's screaming and then it stops you and then it also pulls you up at the same speed which why is pulling you up scary? I don't know but it's as scary to people, right? That part I'm fine with. Totally fine with all of that. But then you get to the highest point of it and they open a window and they you then see that you're at the top of the top. I forget how many stories it is. 13. 13. <laughs> I promise she knows her Bible this well too. (laughs) So you're 13 stories up, you're all the way up here. They open this window, and way out there is tiny little Slinky Dog Dash Ride. All these little things are all the way out there. I don't give myself. It's not like I say to my fear, "Okay, you have permission to be scared." It just does it. Opens, everybody's like, "Oh, Hollywood!" I'm like, "Oh my God!" (laughs) And then they drop you. It's the same thing with like our hurts in our hang-ups, in the things that are holding us back. It's not like all of a sudden you give them permission, but they're there. And if we don't get them healed, they're going to automatically present themselves in your life. Are you with me today? There's a story here that we see sort of walking through healing and moving on. There's a story of Jacob, whose name is uh, later Israel, But we see Jacob, where we first pick up in his story, is uh, he's traveling, and he gets to a well, and he meets this girl, Rachel. She comes up, and, and she's at the well, and the scripture tells us that he's just smitten by her. He's completely in love with her exactly in that moment, so much so that the scripture says right upon meeting her, he grabs her and kisses her. Now, I don't recommend that upon your first meeting. The scripture also says that after he kissed her, he immediately starts crying which is an example that we can pretty much chalk it up to the fact that he was probably homeschooled. Kissed her and started crying. Sounds like a homeschool kid. But he kisses her. He kisses her. I was homeschooled. I can make that joke, okay? So he kisses her, but the scripture says he he never gets over her. He's constantly pursuing her. God's hand is on this relationship. He goes to the father and he says, I want to marry Rachel. And the father says, okay, seven years of free labor to me, and you can marry Rachel. I have two daughters. And just so any of you know, if you want to marry one of my daughters, I'm putting off tasks until that time. A bunch of stuff that's going to need to get done around the house is going to happen about the time Caroline's of married age. And then someone's going to come in seven years of labor around my house. So the scripture says seven years. He does the seven years worth of work, comes back to the dad, says, hey, I've done the seven years of free labor. I'm ready to marry Rebecca. And he goes, oh, you, oh, Rebecca you are Rachel. You wanted to marry Rachel. You want to marry Rachel. He goes, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you wanted to marry Leah. If you want to marry Rachel, that's another seven years. It's another seven years. Cause the Bible said this about Leah. It said about Leah that she was weak on the eyes. 2000 years later, here's what we know about Leah. Weak on the eyes. <laughs> that's the worst. So 14 years, free labor, 14 years, free labor, He finally marries her, God's hand is on their life. What we know about their life is they couldn't have kids, then they have kids. We see that of their lineage comes Joseph, who's the prince of Egypt later. God's hand is all over their life. But then we see this in Genesis. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16 says, Then they moved on from Bethel. While there were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you are having another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, breath, she named her son Benoni, but the father named him Benjamin. It says, So Rachel died, And was buried on the way. And then the scripture says, over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar. into that day, the pillar still marks Rachel's tomb. Verse 21. Then it says this. Israel, or Jacob, moved on. Scripture says he moved on. She died. He accepted that. He honored her life. He didn't forget about her. He honored her. He set up a thing. But then the scripture says a time came where he moved on. Moving on is hard. But it's necessary. God's hand was all over their life. There wasn't strife about, well, God, this happened and we prayed that. Was there sin in my life? Was there sin in my father's life? If you get into church and been around church for a long time, people always have commentary. Did they not have enough faith? Was it something, was it a generational curse? Maybe they did the wrong thing. What did they do to cause all this? They get into all of this. Scripture says they had to barrier. Scripture says he honored her, but then there was a time where he moved on. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Point number one is this, accepting reality doesn't determine the level of your faith. Sometimes, hear me in this, this is kind of my my deepest part of the sermon. Sometimes in this faith-based culture that we live in, sometimes in our, we're going after God and we're believing he's going to restore and he's going to do it and he's going to turn it around. And he's We believe all of this. Sometimes they don't get healed and they die. Sometimes the marriage doesn't get restored and divorce happens. Sometimes the business doesn't see breakthrough and files for bankruptcy. And that isn't a deterrent of, or that isn't a sign of your faith. If you accept that, if you understand that and you move on, that has nothing to do with your level of faith. Can I get an amen today? Sometimes, I wrote it down like this, accepting reality doesn't determine the level of your faith. It does determine the potential of your future. Accepting the reality of what happened here, and this hurts. The miscarriage happened. The divorce happened. The addiction never got overcome, and so therefore we had to leave. Accepting that and moving on is okay. Okay. Because if we don't accept it and we're constantly in regret and we're constantly wondering or we're constantly staying in dysfunction, it will hurt the potential of our futures. Is that clear? I've had so many times in my life where I just have to understand this is the reality, but my future and my potential is different than this reality. Here's an example. I've stood over the caskets of my best friends, who I prayed healing for, and signs and wonders in the miraculous, and I had to eventually accept the reality that they died. I've also sat with people in their marriages, and I've had to sit at those tables and say, this marriage is dead. You have to leave this situation. It's abusive and unhealthy. And I do accept the reality that you can't keep going this way. Now, if I'm not careful about the future, what the enemy would try to do is next time somebody needs supernatural miracle prayers prayed. If all I think about is this one reality, it will change the way I act in the future. And so the enemy would say, don't pray again. Remember they die. Don't pray the miraculous. Don't pray for signs and wonder. They die. And so that's where we have to push back and say, no, I accept this reality, but I move on and I still believe God's word is true and that God is good and that he heals. Are you with me? And it's the same thing with marriages. Someone could come into my office and say, we're barely hanging on by a thread. And the enemy would love to say, don't tell them that they're going to make it. Don't tell them that they can see restoration because all they're going to see is a dead marriage. And I say, no, I'm moving on from this reality and believing the true reality of God, that God's going to do this and he's going to restore. Are you with me? It's tough accepting reality, but not letting it change the potential of our future. Are you with me? That's why Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Sometimes you're meant to live and thrive. And then sometimes it doesn't work the way that we thought it was going to work. God's hand is all over Israel and they're all over their life. And then she died and he had to bury her and remember her and then move on. And so these seasons are are tough to understand. I wrote it down this way, or let me finish that passage. There's a time and a season for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. I don't understand why God works in seasons, but I know God is good. And his desire is to help us move on in healing and wholeness and restoration. Are you with me? Here's my here's my real point to this. A season of grief is necessary. I hate this. Get over it, don't have emotions, preaching that comes from pulpits. A season of grief is necessary. But a life of grief is destructive. There is a season where we have to move on and believe God has the best for us. Amen. I didn't watch it, but I saw some short clips on social media. There was a really popular Netflix documentary called The Crown. Many of you probably watched it. It was about the British monarchy, more so featuring Queen Elizabeth. But before Queen Elizabeth was her great-grandmother, Queen Victoria, she ruled the British Empire from 1837 uh, to 1901. Again, uh, she was the second longest um, leader of the British Empire, only second to Queen Elizabeth. So she had a very long run out of all of them. And uh, what we know about her story is she meets the man of her dreams. Francis Elbert was his name. She meets him in 1839, just after coming into power, he came to the Windsor Castle And according to her diary, she's smitten by him, like completely in love with him right away. So much so that just after five days of meeting him, five days after meeting him, she summons him back to the castle and proposes to him. I also don't recommend that either. That seems a little rushed. But we see uh, one year after this proposal, we see February 10, uh, 1840, in her diary, we see these words written, about her dear Prince Albert. She says this, I never, never spent such an evening. My dearest, dear Albert, his excessive love and affection gave me feelings of heavenly love and happiness. I never could have hoped I have felt before. He clasped me in his arms and we kissed each other again and again. I got a lot of the ladies' attention in here, but His beauty, his sweetness, and gentleness. Really, how can I ever be thankful enough to have such a husband? Oh, this is the happiest day of my life. Oh gosh, wait, this is Jess's diary. I'm so embarrassed. I pulled the wrong one. Wait a second. Whoops. That's embarrassing. So nine months later, (laughs) nine months later, Caroline is like, what? <laughs> nine months later, <laughs> without even having to tell you, nine months later after this, they have their first child, who she names after herself, Princess Victoria, and they go on to have nine children. The tragedy of this story is that after 21 years of raising these children, uh, Prince Albert falls sick and dies to the typhoid, typhoid fever. He dies. And as they begin to look under the account of her life and how she reacts to all of this, the story tells us that every single day she couldn't move on. She couldn't move on as we saw Jacob do, Israel do. We, could, we couldn't, couldn't see a moving on. And so every single day she stayed in this unhealthy place of all of the maids and all of the caretakers. Uh, every single day they redid his linens in his room, even though he wasn't there. They put out all his clothes every single day. They prepared meals for him. They poured basins for him to be able to shave every day. They put everything together every single day. She put all of this care and attention into this function, even though he wouldn't be there, she couldn't move on. She rarely left, although she was the leader of this empire, she rarely left. She went on to be known as the widow of Windsor, and every time she was seen, she was wearing black Her life was defined by tragedy and hurt. She missed the destiny and the purpose because she couldn't move on and get healing and wholeness. It's the same thing in our life. We have to be these people who don't just get stuck in this, but we trust God that he can heal us and move us on because he's got great destiny and purpose for us. Can I get an amen? I wrote it down like this. Too many people let the loss of one thing in their life become the loss of everything in their life and I'm so sad that that happened to you and I wish that this thing and I'm not downplaying any of these things that happened to you I know they're real and many of them traumatic and I wish none of those things ever happened to you but you can't let those one things those one situations cost you everything can I get an amen today moving on isn't about forgetting what has been lost it's about focusing on what you have left She had these royal kids to raise. She had all of this potential in front of her. It wasn't about forgetting what she lost, but it's about focusing on what you have left. That's why Isaiah, and I read this to you often, that's why the book of Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I have new things ahead for you. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland wilderness is hard and wastelands are gross. But God is saying, notice that I can do something new in that. It's not forgetting. It's not forgetting about the one that you loved or that thing. It's about moving on and trusting that God has new for us. Are you with me today? Point number two is this. Guarding slash defending your hurt will hurt you more. When we're these people that it's time to get help. It's time to get healing. It's time to move on and get into this wholeness. When we're those people that say, no, no, no. Don't touch me. Like our kids, when they get hurt, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And someone's coming and said, no, I got to help you. I got to get you whole. I see so many people guard and defend and say, stay away. Let me stay in my hurting. Let me stay in this thing. You don't understand. Let me stay in this thing. That's going to hurt you more than it helps you. Can I get an amen? A couple of weeks ago, the kids were blowing up my phone. I'm here at the office. They're going crazy, blowing up my phone. They're all calling me from their phones. And I'm like, oh, I, this, I better answer, you know? And so I answer, and it's my son. He's like, Dad, we were throwing the ball. And Sully, we got a two-year-old golden retriever. He took off to get the ball. And then he just started yelping and screaming, and he hasn't moved. And I thought, oh no, because my other golden retriever, when he was 12 years old, took off running in sand and blew out his ACL and MCL, very expensive surgery. Many of the times they don't really come out of it and, and get healed. And so I thought, oh my gosh, he blew out his MCL and ACL and he's only two years old. Like, this is terrible. So I run home. He hasn't moved in the 10 minutes it takes me to get home. I finally get him into the house, but we talked to the vet and they say, listen, it's very important, very, very important that he doesn't run, move, play, try to jump on anything, because over 60% of the time when a dog injures that leg, they blow out the other leg. Because when they're trying to guard this one, They hurt other areas over here. When you're guarding and defending and trying to hold on to a hurt, I'm telling you, you're blowing out other areas of your life at the same time. When we say, no, this is my hurt, this is my thing, this is my journey, I'm not going to get healing over here. The vet was like, oh, he could have spine issues, he could have hip issues, you have to get this healed now or it's going to hurt other areas, are you with me? I frequent the Peasleys, they're here right now, and I'll go into the Peasley office and I'll say, hey... I got this thing, it's hurting, whatever. Last year I went in toward the end of golf season. i was like, my wrist is really hurting. Like the base of my thumb is really hurting. It might be from golf. I got, you know, I got this thing. And, um, and he's like, okay. And so Andrew uh, sees me and they're great most of the time. And so he goes, uh, he's like, okay. And I said, it's right here in my wrist. And it's like at the base of my thumb. And he's like, okay. And he starts messing with my shoulder and my elbow. And I'm like, I said it was my wrist and my thumb. And he's like jacking around up here and in my elbow. And I'm like, dude, it's right here. He's like, no. A lot of times when you have injuries here or somewhere else, it's actually affecting somebody somewhere else first. I'm like, okay, fine, just fix it, you hippie. I need this to be, you know, like. (laughs) But Jesus, think about this. Jesus, when he's laying out communion, the Lord's Supper, he says, do this often. Take communion, receive communion, remember me. He says, do this often. But in that, he says, Every time you do this, he says, let a man or woman examine themselves. Every single time, and he said, do this often, which means check yourself out often to see, do you have a hurting area? Examine your life. Like, are there unhealed areas? Do you have traumatic traumatic situations that are affecting your life that could be handed down generationally? God wants to renew and restore those areas. Are you with me? What's this regret? If you were to examine your life, maybe this regret is really haunting you and hindering the decisions you make now. Is there this fear that's happening in your life that's really just a hurt that's happened to you? I can't parent. I can't step up and be the dad that I should be. I can't step up and lead the family the way I'm supposed to. I I can't be the man God's called me to be. And so I shrink back and I let my wife do everything and I let everybody else lead and the pastor lead and the kids ministry lead. I really wish I could step up and be the man that I'm called to be in my family, but I have this fear of failure because of maybe the way my dad treated me or a grandparent or a coworker, so I can't step into. So instead I just numb it and I drink and I smoke and I veg out and I sit back and I let everybody else do it. Really because I have this unhealed area, which is fear of failure. Am I telling the truth today? Instead, we say, God, help me, heal me. I'm going to examine myself. You told me to do it often. Why? Because God wants to heal us. Can I get an amen today? God will not change slash heal what you are unwilling to confront. You know what I wish I could do? Pray a prayer and never go see another counselor. Sorry, mother in law. I know you're a counselor. You know what would be so much easier? God, I know you love me. Please help me stop being a jerk. And then I'm not a jerk anymore. But instead, I have to go pay to a professional and listen to, I have to confront why I'm a jerk. Thank you for not amening. (laughs) But think about that. It would be so much easier. Oh, please take this jerkness away from me. It's so much harder to go sit before somebody and say, help me confront why I have anger. Help me confront why I prefer to isolate. Help me confront. Are you with me today? I know you came here for this today, didn't you? I'll close with this last point. And this is where I'm going to build you up a little bit. I know we all got hurts and hang-ups and things that are holding us back and setbacks and all these things we don't want to confront. I know that. And God's got a plan for those kind of things. And here's the good news. Point number three, if you still have a pulse, God still has a plan for your life. I don't care what's happened and what it looks like and how hard it looks like to come out of it. If you still have a pulse, God still has a plan for your life. I love what Paul writes here in Philippians 3.12. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of all of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. To take hold of something, you gotta have an empty hand. He said, I'm pressing on. I'm going forward. I'm going to grab hold of all that God has ahead for me. If you got your hands full of the baggage of your past, you're never going to grab hold of what God has for you. And then he says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind me. All those hurts, all those things, all that junk of yesterday. And I strain toward what is ahead. The enemy wants you to spend so much time looking back. When God's plan for you is Look ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We have a promise that God is good and his plans for us are good. And we need to keep driving toward that no matter what has happened to us. Some things we just got to bury it and honor it and remember it. And we don't forget it, but we also have to move on from it. Somebody said, no, pastor, but not me. I'm a failure. I'm just a failure. I fail everything. I mess everything up. No, no, no failure is an event not a person you can't be a failure you can fail at things and circumstances and situations but you're not a failure as long as you have a pulse god's got a plan can i get an amen today and i'll reiterate the opening passages second corinthians 5 17 therefore if anyone is in christ you're new you're new you can have it new. You don't have to have it the old way. It says, your old is passed away. Behold, all things are new. Let him make you new. Psalm 5110, every single day we get to pray, God, fresh heart. These hurts, these things that have been hindering me and haunting me. God, make them new. Make my heart fresh and pure and new. We're going on that road toward God. I know there's potholes along the way. This journey toward God was made by Michigan roads there's potholes everywhere but we just keep going can I get an amen today let me pray for you I believe there's people listening online and there's people in this room that you have hurts that you've been carrying you have regrets that you've been carrying but right here in this moment I believe God can heal them I don't think we're made perfect overnight but I do believe that a prayer can change everything in a moment So let's get our work done. Let's contact counselors. Let's get prayer. Let's do all that kind of stuff. But let's also believe that right now, God can set you free from things that have been haunting you. God, I ask for every person listening in the room and out of the room, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, who's ever hearing these words, God, I ask that right now you begin to heal and restore. Lord, help us to forget the things of our past, set our sights on what's ahead. God, I believe that you can help us move into what you have for us. Lord, we don't want to lose everything over the loss of one thing. Help us draw near to you. Help us to allow those people in that can help us get healing. We don't want to guard and defend our hurts, but God, we want to turn them over to you. All of our broken mosaic pieces, God, we give to you. We ask that you make something beautiful. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.